Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall, and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. say a minute ago, it is awesome to be back again. We gathered together and then we took a couple weeks off on uh, not by our choice and then uh, we're back again. And so we're so thankful you guys are here this morning and uh, joining with us. Just a quick uh, reminder, um, we recognize that and we've said this before last time we met, we recognize that uh, it's a little difficult with the children, especially when there's a playground out there. Or if you're a 67-year-old child, it, that playground looks awesome too, as Kyle said. Um, but uh, so we have decided that during our time, we're going to make a short time of singing and teaching uh, just so that it can be an enjoyable experience uh, for everyone. We good? Uh, and so uh, if we have begun a series in Psalms and we're walking through a psalm or part of a psalm. And so if you have your Bibles with you. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 103. If you text the word lyrics to 97,000, that also in that same folder has a box that, uh, or a link that allows that, that scripture to pop up as well. And so you can read it on your phones if you want to quickly find it. Psalm uh, 103. Again, as Kyle said earlier, while you're finding that, happy Father's Day. We are so glad to be able to worship uh, and gather again um, this morning. And a few weeks ago, uh, we began walking through Psalms, and like I said, uh, we've just been looking at a part. And so today we're gonna we're gonna look at uh, we're gonna start in Psalm 103, verse 13. Uh, but then, really, by the time we are done, we'll have looked at most of Psalm 103. And the Psalms are just this collection of 150 uh, prayers and songs that are written in the Old Testament that have been collected uh, for God's people to worship, uh, to enjoy, and to know God. And so uh, that's what they are. Uh, and so this morning, as we continue uh, in Psalms, I, I want to focus our message toward fathers uh, by first looking at who our heavenly father is, and then bring it back to what it means for uh, fathers or potential fathers. And so if you are a father, this applies. If you may be a father one day, this applies. And if you have a father, this applies, okay? Because if in reality, this text, if we're being honest, that we're going to look at this morning, doesn't just apply to fathers, but to everyone here. But I do want to take advantage of the opportunity as we are thinking about fathers uh, to, to exhort and to encourage fathers. But really, this applies to all of us. And so the passage that I want to focus on this morning found Psalm 103. Hopefully you found it. Uh, and we will start in verse 13. So it says Psalm 103, 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And so David, the writer of this psalm, and actually almost every psalm that we've looked at up to this point has been written by David. And so uh, David uh, gives us a glimpse of what our heavenly father is like. And, and let me say, when, when David writes, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion. What David is not saying is that God looks around, sees how other fathers are treating their children, and then decides, okay, well, that's how I want to treat my child, right? That's not what's going on. Instead, what David is saying here 
is that when we see fathers showing compassion to their children, they're giving their children and the world a picture of what God is like. And so when we see a good father, you are seeing a picture of God. And so God designed fatherhood to be a picture of his own fatherhood. Now, now, fathers, if that doesn't take your breath away a little bit as you hear that, that, that we as fathers represent what God the Father is like, then I don't think we fully understand the gravity of what this is saying. Because that's, that's weighty, right? That's a weighty task. But in reality, as believers, that's all of our responsibilities. We represent to those circles God has put us in, our communities, our families, our jobs, wherever God has placed us. We as believers are representatives of what Christ is like. We extend compassion and grace and mercy as God has extended compassion and grace and mercy. And so we, we all represent God in our actions, our whether we uh, misstep and we, we don't, that's still our calling. And that's what, how God uses us as vessels to show others what he is like. And so as fathers show, uh, uh, sorry, we as fathers, we show our children and the world what a heavenly father is like. And that's a weighty task that we can't do in our own strength. We need his spirit in us. Uh, and that only comes by a relationship with him. And we learn to be fathers by looking at God as father. We, we learn how to treat our children by watching how he treats his children. And children grow up learning about God as father as they watch their fathers in action. And so good fathering points children. Good fathering points wives and neighbors and co-workers to God. But as David continues in Psalm 103, he acknowledges that earthly fathers won't always be around. Look at verse 14. David writes, For he, speaking of God, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. As, verse 15, As for man, his days are like grass, and he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. And then he contrasts our fatherhood with God's in verse 17. He continues on. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. And so understanding that fathers will not always be around, that their days are limited. David wrestles with this question. How can my children and my children's children benefit from the steadfast love of God? How can they benefit uh, from the righteousness of God and not be condemned by that? Because depending on where you stand in your relationship with God, his righteousness will either uh, be a protection for you or it will be a condemnation on you showing that you have uh, rejected and have not trusted in him, but instead yourself and your efforts. So then in verse 17 and 18, David gives us the answer to those questions. Listen, listen for them as I read it. Verse 17 and 18. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's 
children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. And so the steadfast love of the Lord, the righteousness of God, will follow our children from one generation to the next generation if these three things happen. If they, verse 17, fear him, if they keep his covenant, verse 18, and if they do his commandments, verse 18. So let's just quickly walk through what I think uh, those mean for us this morning. First, we read in verse 17, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And so to fear God is to have a, a reverence for him, but it's also, uh, there's an element of fear there as well. It's to see, uh, it's to see God as powerful, as, uh, as awesome, as so awesome, so holy, so powerful that you would, you wouldn't dare run away from him because you understand the safety in which you rest in and the danger of taking yourself away from him. Maybe I could illustrate it like this. You've probably been caught in um, a really bad storm before, I'm guessing, or you just barely missed it and you ran inside your house. And what's the next thing you do when you run inside your house on a really bad storm? If you're anything like me, you just stand at the window and you look out. Anyone else like me? Right, you just admire the storm from the safety of your house because you recognize the power of what is outside and you recognize the safety of where you are as the, as the, the, the trees blow and the rain pours and lightning crashes and the thunder roars. Uh, you can enjoy the power of the storm from the safety of your home. But you wouldn't dare in that moment of a terrible storm run out into it, right? And so there's, there's a healthy fear in the danger of going outside and leaving the safety of your home. And in some ways, it's like that with God. You understand the power, the grandeur, the, the holiness of God. And you understand that the safety and the refuge that is found in God. And so you wouldn't dare run away from it. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And so... What we want to do is we want to cultivate a healthy fear in our own lives and in the lives of our children if we have them. Now let's look at the, the middle one. So one, fear God. Two, his righteousness is to children's children, to those who keep his covenant. And so when David writes this, they're in the old covenant. Uh, and during the old covenant, there, there's this need for continual daily sacrifices to be offered for the forgiveness of sins, for uh, the, those sins that God's people have committed. But Jesus coming changes all of that. We're no longer under the old covenant, but uh, the new covenant. And so during the Last Supper, Jesus has gathered his uh, disciples around him and he lifts up this cup. It's representing his own blood. And he says to them in Luke 22, 20, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so Jesus is saying, here it is. It's the, the what's about ready to happen is the final sacrifice that will be made for that, that, that your sins may be forgiven. And so do this in remembrance of me. And so we as a church usually have celebrate the Lord's Supper, the beginning of each month. And we do that to remember this new covenant that has been made for us. And so then how do we keep this new covenant? How do, how do our children fathers keep this covenant? And so this covenant is kept by uh, trusting alone in the perfect life 
and the finished work of Jesus and believing that Jesus was the perfect, spotless sacrifice given on our behalf and His blood, His life covers our sins. And believing in such a way that we recognize that there's nothing that still needs to be done on our behalf. There's no sacrifices that still need to be made. Uh, we, we, there's no temple work that still needs to be uh, performed. We don't, we don't have to prove our worthiness to him. It's done. Paid in full, Jesus screamed from the cross right before he died. And so that's what it means to keep his covenant, to trust in him fully, both as Lord of our lives and as Savior from our sins, and then to treasure him above everything else. We talked about that a little bit last week when we looked at uh, Psalm 16, about treasuring him above everything else. And then quickly, let's look at the last one here. It says, His righteousness is to children's children, to those who remember to do His commandments. And so the third requirement that David mentions for our children to experience the love and the righteousness of God is those who remember to do His commandments. Now let me just say right out of the gate what David is not saying here. He is not saying that we must keep God's commands in order to be worthy to be his children uh, or to be acceptable before him or to be loved by him. We know that that's not true uh, because he just mentioned covenant, uh, the covenant that God made. And a covenant is this agreement between uh, two or more uh, parties who hold up their end of the promise. And so God fulfilled both sides of the promise for us, right? He, he gave this is what must happen, and then he did it for us. And so there's nothing else to be done. He has fulfilled it, and, and so the covenant has already been kept. And so we know that when David says here, it's those who do his commandments, it's not talking about, well, to be loved by him, to be known by him, means we must keep his commandments. So then what does David mean by that? Keeping God's commandments is evidence that that. Someone that what someone professes to be true uh, is actually true. When we uh, when we've truly trusted in Jesus, if we've truly treasured Him, if you truly believe Him to be who He said He was and to have done what He said He did, then that's going to change every element of our lives. And evidence of that change will be obedience to His commands. So keeping God's commands is not the foundation of being made right with God. It's not, it's not the root of us being made right with God. Our, our obedience to commands is not the root of us being right before God. Instead, it's the fruit of a right relationship with God. You may have heard that before. So what uh, comes out of our actions shows that we truly know and treasure Christ. So fathers, know that we are like dust that we are like grass and, and after us comes our children and their children. And the question for us is this, will they fear God? Will they keep his covenant and do his commands? If they do, the steadfast love of the Lord and the righteousness of God will bless them forever. And then let me close with one more thing. The, the driving thrust of David's psalm here is to bless the Lord. He begins Psalm 103 and he ends Psalm 103 uh, calling others to bless the Lord. He's exhorting 
first at the beginning of the psalm, he's exhorting his own soul to bless the Lord. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And then he ends and he's exhorting the angels and the hosts of heaven and all his works to bless the Lord. He says, bless the Lord, O you his angels. You mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So to bless the Lord means to speak well of him, to raise up the, the goodness and the greatness of his love and righteousness. It's, it's almost synonymous with praise. And actually next week in Psalm 34, we're going to look at uh, Psalm 34. In the very first verse, it joins praise and, and blessing in the same verse. It says in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so praising God finds its fullest expression in speaking and singing about the goodness of God. And this praise, David says, must come from the soul because praise that comes from the lips but detached from belief in the soul would be hypocrisy. Actually, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 8, the, the, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so this is for all of us. But since it's Father's Day, I'm speaking to, to fathers this morning. And let me say this. There may be no greater thing that we can do than let our children see us bless the Lord. To praise Him. And not just when things are going well, but when they're not going well. When questions loom, when repentance is needed, when God changes our plans, let them see you praise God. And when things are good, let them see you praise God. Let your children see, let your wife see, let your neighbors see and your coworkers see, and on and on. Let them see you bless the Lord. So we're going to end our time this morning by singing a few more lines from 10,000 Reasons that we uh, sang just a moment ago. And I want us to first, I want to first implore our own souls to praise God because He is worth it. And then if you need to, to get your heart right, take a moment now and just do that as we begin to worship again and bless His name. And if you're here this morning and you've never truly trusted in Jesus, there's never really been a, a godly fear, there's never been a, a desire to cling to His covenant or to keep his commandments, then, then just spend this time right now confessing them before him. He, he already knows it. So it's not like going to tell him something new. It doesn't do any good to just go, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. God already knows our hearts more than we know them and our thoughts. So confess it before him and choose to follow him this morning. And if you need to talk during or after this, find someone that you've seen up here on stage but I just want to give us a moment before we sing to just reflect on what we've heard this morning. To give God thanks that He is our Heavenly Father. To give God thanks for the fathers He has given us. Or maybe for you, this is a difficult day because your father is no longer with you or you never really had a father in your life. 
Spend time praising God that he is that father for you and that he will never fail you. And if you've never seen him as the good, good father that we sang about, let now be a time in which you just confess that before him and say, God, I, I don't understand you could be a good father. The only father I know or have ever known was terrible. And I don't want anyone in my life ever like that again. But if you're different, like these believers say you are, show that to me because I want to believe it. And give us a moment to reflect, to pray, and then we're going to end by singing a few more lines.